0: Welcome to the KBL podcast featuring land-related news from South Africa. In this final episode for 2019, we round off the year with a review of news appearing on our website, www.knowledgebase.land. I'm Rick DeSache, Director of Research at Purhisani NPC and curator of the website. In this episode, we focus on news from Monday the 9th of December to Boxing Day when this podcast was recorded. begin with a focus on expropriation. The F.W. de Klerk Foundation and the Institute for Race Relations team have been busy in the last couple of weeks writing commentary on the implications of the proposed Section 25 Constitutional Amendment. Dave Stewart for the F.W. de Klerk Foundation notes that although this is the 18th Amendment to the Constitution It is the first amendment to the Bill of Rights since the adoption of the final constitution in South Africa in 1996. The foundation makes the point that while the Constitution Amendment Bill will require a two-thirds majority to pass, once it becomes law, this would then leave, the determination of the circumstances in which zero compensation may be paid to be stipulated in ordinary legislation that can, of course, be adopted or amended by a simple majority. Stuart and other commentators regard the current wording of the amendment as the Trojan horse which will erode the current security of property rights, or, conversely by implication, retain the fundamentally unequal status quo. Ivo Vechter, writing in the Daily Maverick, seeks to constitutionally limit the circumstances under which zero compensation could be payable, arguing that these, quote, should themselves be enshrined in the constitution and that changes to those circumstances should require a constitutional amendment, close quotes. Similar stances are taken by Terence Corrigan and Anthea Jeffrey, who represent the Institute of Race Relations. Corrigan, like Stewart, argues the way that the 18th Amendment Bill is currently worded could potentially allow for a subsequent Act of Parliament to be passed, which would, by a simple majority, allow all land to pass into the custody of the state, as in the case of water and mineral rights. Moving now to labour tenant and the appointment of a special master. Lloyd Phillips from the Farmers Weekly reports on the swearing-in of Professor Richard Levine as the special master who is required to oversee the process of settling stalled labour tenant claims. This followed an order by the Constitutional Court. According to Sia Situle, the land rights coordinator at AFRA, who was cited in the article, the Special Master is an extension of the Land Claims Court and will provide an independent monitoring mechanism to ensure implementation of a plan to settle labour tenant claims. This plan must be submitted to the Constitutional Court by the 31st of March 2020. According to quote, representatives of the Agriculture Department would thereafter have to periodically and under oath provide the land claims court with progress reports on the implementation of the plan. Moving now to a focus on land policy. On the 19th of December, Minister Toko Dudiza briefed the media on government's responses to the recommendations of the Presidential Advisory Panel on Land Reform and Agriculture. The report was handed to the President on the 24th of July, earlier this year, and government departments were given two months to read the report and to respond to the recommendations. On our webpage, you will find a detailed summary of the main recommendations, but which we will not cover in any detail here. The Minister's response to the panel's recommendations has not been particularly substantive. Rather than indicating which of the recommendations were supported and setting out a plan of how these recommendations would be acted upon, the Minister chose rather to speak to those recommendations which have not been supported by Cabinet. And even here, there is not much clarity. The reasons why some of the recommendations were not accepted appear to be fairly arbitrary. For example, the Cabinet did not support the recommendation that land reform should be informed by an agreed vision for agrarian reform. It rather held that the 1997 White Paper on Land Policy was still adequate in this regard, which is a rather puzzling finding. Cabinet identified certain challenges with respect to some of the other recommendations, which proposed the creation of more inclusive towns and cities, but in her statement the Minister did not elaborate on what these were. Likewise, Government did not support the establishment of the proposed Land Reform Fund as the optimum and judicious use of the current budget allocation can still address the resources required for land reform. This comes after the Presidential Advisory Panel had highlighted how low the budget has been since the inception of the land reform programme. The panel also proposed that a land and agrarian reform agency was deemed to be necessary to be established to implement land reform more effectively. However, Cabinet disagreed and they found this agency to be unnecessary, for the reason that quote, the new configuration of the department would address the concerns of the panel. Close quote. Finally, cabinet was of the view that some of the other recommendations may require further work, and in this they chose to single out conditions to be imposed on the application of land ceilings so it's unclear in the end where the recommendations of the presidential advisory panel have actually fallen are we to assume that all the recommendations which were made and which have not been specifically rejected in the statement have now been accepted on the face of it the statement looked rather like a box ticking exercise on a to-do list entitled things to get done before the end of the year overall this raises serious questions about the value of constituting such panels if the state remains so imprecise an anodyne in its response to expert recommendations. With respect to restitution, on the positive side, Minister Deezer was reported to have submitted a detailed plan on the redevelopment of District 6 to the Land Claims Court. This was said to include a conceptual layout for redevelopment, details of program funding mechanisms, existing timeframes for implementation and methodology for allocating residential units to claimants. According to Sune Payne, writing in the Daily Maverick, If the redevelopment plan is accepted, claimants could move back to the area within three years. However, given the delays to date, this would be a near miraculous outcome. As a gesture of acknowledgement to the dispossessed of District 6, Kezacharach Street was officially renamed Hanover Street on Heritage Day. In rural development news, this section continues to be dominated by the spread of foot-and-mouth disease, with several stories focusing on the financial woes of Onda a state-owned animal vaccine manufacturing company. These concerns about the financial health of the facility have subsequently been denied. Finally, we focus on traditional leadership. As the year ended, President Ramaphosa used his powers to grant a special remission of sentence to certain categories of prisoners. These included the release of the Abu Tembu King Dali Jebo, who was sentenced in 2009 to 15 years in jail on seven counts of kidnapping, three of assault and arson, and one of defeating the ends of. Justice and one of culpable homicide. The king was charged and convicted following the kidnapping of a woman and her six children, the burning of their homes to the ground, and the assault of four youths, one of whom subsequently died from their injuries. Apparently, all because one of their relatives had failed to present himself before the king's traditional court. King Dalinjebo started to serve his sentence, which was subsequently reduced to 12 years by the Supreme Court of Appeal on December the 31st, 2015. So, that's all from our weekly overview of Land News for 2019. We'll continue to cover the main stories making the news in 2020, but we'll be taking a break for the first three weeks in January while members of our team take leave. We'll also be pausing our podcast series during the holiday period and our next podcast will be available on Monday the 27th of January and will feature all the news from the first month of the year. Until we meet again, have a great new year and we look forward to rejoining you in 2020.